0: we have been talking about prayer for four weeks, and today is the last sermon on uh, in a series that we've called Prayers of the People, which really gets at the kinds of prayers that we find ourselves praying and kind of wonder where they fit in the flow of life and how important they are. So it sort of uh, makes sense today to come to a prayer that we often pray, which is thank you, a prayer of gratitude. We're getting ready to do that in sort of the formal, official way in the week ahead. I don't know how many of you have a turkey thawing in the refrigerator right now, but it's coming. And um, that can be a perfunctory kind of thing. It can be... um it can be one of the things we do. It can be an excuse not to go to work, which is great. It can be an excuse to get together, which is, which is great as well, but it also can get kind of lost in the busyness of a season that is launching. I don't know if you know this. This is one of the years where we go from Thanksgiving and then on Sunday following Thanksgiving, we go right into Advent. So uh, we have uh, kind of that switch that's gonna happen and we go right into the holiday season. I feel like I already need to take a deep breath and let it out. That's what I hope we'll do today as we think about the kinds of prayers that we find ourselves praying and why they matter. It made me think of maybe the first prayer that I learned to pray. Maybe the first prayer that some of you learned to pray. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. Amen. It's not a bad prayer. for a lot of the reasons that we've been talking about for one prayer doesn't have to be fancy does it that we kind of come come around to some idea that we have to get the words right for God to understand and this simple prayer reminds us that that's that's not necessarily true it doesn't have to be big and flowery for sure and uh, this is a good place to start God is great God is good and out of that we're gonna be grateful and we're going to do that in a way that's kind of an everyday sort of thing. One of the great opportunities of life is to flow into, find the rhythm of gratitude in the everyday. To use a simple meal as an excuse to build into our lives the practice of gratitude. And that's really what we're talking about. This, this prayer, this prayer of thank you, is our chance to stay connected in the everyday to God's goodness, to gain the ability to see it and to notice it in the circumstances of our lives. And that's not a small thing, is it? It's not something that we're all necessarily good at or it doesn't come natural for us. And the story that we just heard and the story we're gonna talk about today, we see that it's not ki- kind of the common thing to do. It's not the, the thing that everybody does. And so there seems to be an opportunity here for us Ordinary moments becoming opportunities to see what we might otherwise miss. In this way, gratitude is maybe the key that unlocks our faith. In his famous book on finding our calling, Oz Guinness has a chapter on gratitude. Uh, and the title of that chapter is the thing that I that I just want to bring up today. It's uh, The title is Let Your Thinks Be Thanks. And it, it kind of gets at how gratitude and thanksgiving are are really about a way of looking at the world, a way of recognizing what's going on in the world. The question behind the practice of gratitude is simple. Will I think more about what I have or will I think more about what I lack? And if you were to like kind of do a, a a scale of 100% and 50 50 being sort of equal thinking, where would you put yourself in that that framework? How much is your thinking about what you have and how much of your thinking is about what you don't. And if I'm honest, I think I was probably trained up as a child to notice the things that were lacking, that many of us were probably taught this mental habit of recognizing what is missing. And Kind of paradoxically, the more we have, the more I think we're kind of prone to notice the few things that, that we don't. Now some of us were maybe raised to be more grateful, and that's a gift, I think this prayer of gratitude comes more naturally. But many of us work with a mentality of scarcity and need to recognize that this is in fact a story of God's abundance, and that is actually true despite the circumstances that we're, we're living in. That in fact, the circumstances we live in are the reason why we need to pray prayers of gratitude, because we will get fooled again and again and again into a, this being a, stor- a story of scarcity when we swim in the sea of God's abundance. In fact, the prayer of gratitude is how we learn to see the truth. So Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, sort of famously about gratitude. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is what God wants for you is a way of understanding. That's what God wants for us, is to have this ability in whatever comes in all circumstances to interject something into those circumstances. It becomes the thing that we bring to our lives, whatever our lives bring to us. And that's why the scripture doesn't say, give thanks for all circumstances. Have you sort of read it that way maybe? Like, we're going to give thanks. We're going to be happy about and have to pretend like it's okay when it's not okay. Like, this is really crappy, but I'm going to give thanks to God for that. I don't know that that's what Paul's asking us to do. But I think he's saying is that even if it is really not so great, there is something that we can bring into the situation and an awareness that we bring. And that is important that we do. In fact, if we don't bring that, then we're going to get kind of brought along, we're going to be drug along by whatever our thinking says is true, kind of how we tend to see things. Ted Loder has written a a prayer in his book, Gorillas of Grace. I wanted to offer up a few prayers today, the simple one, God is great, God is good, or this one that's a little more more complex, but gets at how we get distracted. This um, prayer in Gorillas of Grace says this, I won't read the whole thing, but eternal one, there's something I wanted to tell you. But my mind races with worrying and watching, with weighing and planning, haunted by a hundred floating fears of war, of losing my job, of failing, of getting sick and old, of having loved ones die, and of dying. Oh, Father in heaven, perhaps you've already heard what I wanted to tell you. What I wanted to ask is forgive me, which is one of the the prayer we talked about last week. Heal me, which is the prayer we talked about the first week. Increase my courage. Renew in me a little of love and faith and a sense of confidence. And a vision of what it might mean to live as though you were real and as I mattered and as everyone was brother and sister. And then this part. What I wanted to ask for is peace enough to want and work for more. For joy enough to share and for awareness that is keen enough to sense your presence. Here, now, there, then, and always. And that's what I think we're hoping for. This is what the prayer of gratitude makes possible to have an awareness keen enough to notice that God's presence present and that God's presence is is not dependent on circumstances and that's what we I think read in the the story of the healing of the lepers in Luke's gospel it is a story ultimately about someone who is grateful but more than that is a story about someone who has an awareness keen enough to recognize God's at work and that that's what we discover in the story is that that's not a given that, in fact, only one person out of ten has that awareness. So let's think of that story for a second. Uh, it's a story of healing. There are a lot of stories of healing in, in the Gospels, and in, especially in Luke's Gospel, the healing of people with leprosy is, is, kind of comes to the forefront, because Luke's always looking for who's on the margin of the margin of the margin. And in the ancient world, if you go to the margin of the margin of the margin, you think of the people who have it bad physically, the people who have it bad socially, emotionally, and spiritually, lepers kind of come to the forefront. They're the people who kind of get the the bum deal in life. There's a physical ailment, uh, leprosy probably represented a lot of skin imperfections quite possibly some that are pretty innocuous like eczema it's possible that you would have something that's not really that contagious but there was fear that you would and so that meant uh, Leviticus and numbers kinda gave the prescription of what to do In numbers that tells you if you have this then you need to separate yourself so there's uh, physical Uh, isolation from their community and that is something that we've gotten a little bit of a hint of in the pandemic right we know a little bit more what that kind of isolation does to us mentally emotionally physically and for lepers that was their life so they're separated from the people that they love they go off into a leper colony together Leviticus says that when people who aren't in that colony come close that it's your responsibility to yell unclean can you imagine that 's your life, how you have to present yourself to the world, how ultimately isolating that would be and there's there 's a parallel here your your uncleanliness is pretty far reaching and so that meant you also weren 't allowed in to worship you weren 't allowed into god 's presence, that ritual impurity cut you off from your community, it also cut you off in many ways from God, so these folks were seen as Um, sort of spiritual rejects, because they, in fact, were. The only way out of this, according to, back to Numbers and Leviticus, the Levitical law, uh, the only way out of this is to be cleansed and then to go and present yourself to the priest. We hear that in the story. And the priest's job was not to bring the healing, but to recognize it. You think of the priest's role in this as the gateway to get your life back. So imagine you're a leper, Imagine you're separated from everybody you love. Imagine that you long for that day when you would get your life back. You long for the day, the one thing you want, the thing that you go to bed thinking about, is being presented to the priest and being deemed clean again. Those words are throughout the gospel text. Clean and healed and saved. They're all similar words, depending on which word they use. Cleansed. Healed, saved. It gets at how holistic this thing is. And so the story picks up. Uh, these folks who are often on a major thoroughfares so they could beg for money, they see Jesus, they say, Master, have pity on us. Maybe expecting money, Jesus gives them something else. He says, the one thing they've been waiting to hear, go present yourself to the priest. Can you imagine the spark of electricity when you heard those words? The one thing that you have prayed a million times for coming out of the mouth of Jesus Go present yourself to the priest. And they run, and on the way, they're healed. And so what do you do? Jesus has told them what to do. They've been praying about what to do. They knew what to do. The law says what to do. You go, and you present yourself to the priest, and he gives you your life back. Except except one of them doesn't. And this is the remarkable thing. He doesn't do what... The law says to do. He doesn't do what Jesus says to do. He does something else. This is a story of healing, but it's also a story of something else. So push pause for a second. How many people were healed in this story? Ten, right? All of them. And that could have been the end of the story. And it would have been a pretty great story. They probably would have still included it in the Bible. It's a big deal. But it. It actually it's sort of—it's a, a twofer. There's something else going on, because one of the, the people had something else, and Luke uh, sort of hints at this. He says, "When he saw that he was healed," and for Luke, that seeing is never just like, "Oh, I saw that." It points to an insight. Somehow, there's one of these people who were, who were healed, one of these lepers who sees that healing as part of something else. And instead of going to the priest and saying, hey, I want my life back, he goes back to Jesus and says, thank you for giving me my life back. That's, that's the switch. Somehow, and that's, that's the question I kind of bring to the story as I've read it this week, like, what gives you that ability in that moment to have that awareness that this is somehow part of what God's doing in the world and so, something that God's doing in me and that I need to go to Jesus about that? and to, to give him thanks. One of the things that you notice as he does that is um, he doesn't hold back much, right? And when we think about gratitude, I don't know, uh, but maybe one of the obstacles to gratitude is that we're, I don't know, we're, we're proper, we're, we're, you know, distinguished, we're thinking people. We're, uh, we did a survey of the church many years ago and found out that we were smarter than the average people around us a little more by that i mean we're more it had a higher level of education i don't know if that means smarter or not but though sometimes i like to think that that was a long time ago so you know i don't know if it still applies yet or not but we tend to be a little more reserved and that's not that's not all bad but you do see in this picture someone who got their life back what are you gonna do he falls at jesus's feet and he praises god and he gives thanks uh, there is an Old Testament story that sounds a lot like this, by the way. It's the, the story of the healing of Naaman, and it comes up twice in Luke's gospel. So you have to think this is in the back of Luke's m- mind as he writes. And uh, the stories are similar. This is in 2 Kings 5. The, the bo- both stories involve someone who was healed. In both of those stories, the person who was healed was a foreigner. And so with the leprosy thing, you have all of that isolation and physical and emotional and spiritual um, separation. And then on top of that, we learn that this is a a Samaritan, so he's also not one of us. There's there's just another level of separation. And in 2 Kings, we find that same story with Naaman. He comes, and the only person he knows to go to is Elisha. And Elisha says, go wash yourself in the river, and when he does, he's cleansed. And he goes back, and he praises God. Very similar, in a, in a very similar way, he gives thanks to God. And in that story, in 2 Kings 5, Naaman declares, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. mean, the discovery uh, in the circumstances of his life is that, that there, there is a God who is who's, who's worthy of us falling on our face and praising and giving thanks. The healed leper also worships. I, it just is a reminder that there is something in, in, in that, and in that orientation toward life. Falling on his face, there's a, a submission, there's a recognition of authority, but there's also a reverence and an awe that's cultivated. Chesterton said this about gratitude, that it's the highest form of thinking that it's happiness doubled by wonder. I think we need that. I think we need to remind ourselves that we need that. I think we need to make space for that in all, all our thinking and all our acting and all our doing. Those of us who tend to think our way in and out of problems would do well to cultivate some wonder and let down our guard and just be awed a little bit. What has happened to to this leper, he recognizes, is a gift of pure grace. It's not something he did for himself. It's not something that he earned. It's not something that he cultivated through his action. It is something that has been offered to him. Wow. And somehow, day after desperate day, and night after long and lonely night, this man, out of all the others, has kept this ability going. This is what maybe fascinates me most about the story. What was it about him, and it doesn't really say, what was it about him that, that kept him from becoming bitter because he would have good reason to be bitter? What, what in the midst of a, that, that social isolation and being alone, has created an environment in which he still is able to recognize God's work when it happens, when other people don't? What is it about how he handled his circumstances that changed this moment? You know, it's, it's said that in, uh, in these kinds of moments, it's not actually that we rise to the occasion. What we always do instead is fall back on our training. And that's why any of us who have any kind of training in emergency situations or high-stakes situations go over and over and over and over and over and over again how to do the thing. It's just one thing done expertly every time. And so we get the clue actually of how this man has lived his life and how he responded in the moment. What does he do? He He goes back to Jesus praising God, worshiping and giving thanks what do you want to guess that's how he's lived his life so the question is how do we cultivate that kind of how do we train ourselves for gratitude so that when the moment comes whether it's good or bad we're able to recognize God's presence in it and respond appropriately when everybody else is responding in a different way I don't know what your practice of gratitude is but know where we began is kinda simple And and I'm guilty of this. um, Failing to use every meal as an opportunity to recognize God's provision. Building that rhythm into life just to pause for those moments and to feel it for just a second. To be reminded that not everybody has food in front of them like we do. And then, of course, in the, the flow of our lives, to use big moments and not just go through the motions, not get lost in all of the preparations this is a big deal to give thanks because it teaches us how to see the world it teaches us how to see each other and it teaches us what the truth is there is sort of a paradox that those of us who have a lot maybe are the least to feel it this was the concern of the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 6 as they're going into the promised land and maybe it's something for all of us who have a a lot to hear when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers to Abraham Isaac and Jacob to give to you a land with large flourishing cities that you didn't build and houses filled with all kinds of good things you didn't provide and wells you didn't dig and vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant it's that gift of grace that is our lives then when you eat and are satisfied be careful that you don't forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You know, the, 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 It said that the worst experience in life is to have something good happen to you and have no one to thank. The good news is we have someone to thank, and in all circumstances, not for them, but through them and in them. The keyness, key to the fullness of life is not having what we want, but wanting what we have and coming to realize it as a gift. And we become those who don't forget. That's our goal. That's our responsibility. That's our calling is to be those who remember. And we do that by practicing gratitude. And so today we're going to give thanks. We're going to take a moment uh, to pause and reflect and uh, have a moment of silence in which you are able to, in your own words, say God is good. God is great. Thank you. And then I'm going to pray a prayer over us. And this is a a prayer ahead of your Thanksgiving meal. It is from a book called Every Moment Holy, which is about the thing we've talked about—how you weave into the rhythms of life and the everyday. And some of the the, th- the prayers in that book are uh, uh, obscure things, like a prayer for the first snowfall, which is um, which is you know pretty wonderful. Might be maybe not something that I had thought about. Um, but there's also there are prayers. There's one in there for. Uh, people who have a job, uh, for those who are employed, and a prayer that you could pray at the start of every day that reminds you that your presence here in this work is a, is a reminder of Christ's presence here. And then this prayer, which I'll pray in a second, a liturgy for feasting with friends, a reminder of the power of gratitude and celebration together, and may it sort of remind you, as you do that this week, in whatever way, that um, we have a lot to be thankful for and that we have a God who's good. And so let's pray together, offering in these moments of silence our prayer of gratitude to God in all circumstances. Let's pray. Now this prayer that you imagine as you gather this week and as there's much to give thanks over, a reminder, God, we pray, remembering that gathering joyfully is indeed a serious affair. For celebrating and all enjoyments gratefully taken are at their heart acts of war. For in celebrating, we declare that evil and death, suffering and loss, sorrow and tears will not have the final word in this world and in our lives. We pray that our celebrations would fall like a great hammer blow against the brutal night, shattering the gloom, reawakening our hearts, stirring our imaginations and focusing our vision so that we might see the kingdom of heaven that is to come, That we might see the kingdom that is promised. That we might recognize the kingdom that is already indeed among us. For the resurrection of all good things has already joyfully begun. God is great. God is good. We give thanks. Amen. In that spirit, we're going to continue worship through our offering. So as those who come to give... Uh, to to usher uh, come and as our musicians come forward I want to thank you for your generosity to us and a reminder that that is how we sustain our life together Uh, and not for a moment do we take for granted what a joy it is to be in this together with you and as we serve each other and the world it becomes yet another opportunity in all the circumstances of life to have people to celebrate with and to give thanks with and to worship with And so as you give, may that also be an act of worship, an act of joy, an act of celebration as we join God and we join each other in his work in the world. Let's sing.